You are listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Good morning and welcome to First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Your presence in this space and in sacred virtual space enriches this community. Here we are all welcome, wherever we are on the journey, and we are free to be who we are, to love who we love, and to explore our faith and beliefs at our own pace. Today we begin this season as Reverend Laura introduces our new series, An Evolving God, An Evolving World, An Evolving Purpose. So in 1997, the Georgia O'Keeffe Foundation gave the museum, which bears her name in Santa Fe, New Mexico, an amazing gift to celebrate its opening. Anne and John Marion, founders of the museum, were offered the opportunity to select watercolors from the artist's estate. They made their choices in a bank vault from among the watercolors O'Keeffe created while living in Canyon, Texas from 1916 to 1918. These works were seldom exhibited during her lifetime. They had been carefully preserved and stored for 70 years at the direction of O'Keeffe. Miraculously, their brilliant colors showed no signs of fading, despite their age. O'Keeffe was teaching art in those years in Canyon, Texas, and these works seemed to represent a time before she began to make her mark in the art world. I had never seen any of these 53 watercolors until a few weeks ago, when my husband took me to Kara restaurant for a birthday brunch. As we waited to be seated, I wandered over to a round table with a few carefully curated books of art. One of those books contained the watercolors that instantly captured my attention. I have always appreciated O'Keeffe's art, but I've seen very little of her early work. As I began to explore the paintings and this time in her life, I noticed many of the paintings were parts of series. I became fascinated with the evolutionary process she used when she painted by repeating works again and again of the same subject. Many of these works seemed to change from what was well-defined to those at the end of the series that were less defined. During that time, I was working on our fall series and the ways in which we would weave together a short book by Joan Chittister. It's a book that paints with words the evolution of Chittister's own faith and spirituality. The interconnectedness of these two women and their art was intriguing to me and would have been enough to create this series. Yet one additional element found its way into this fall offering. Like many of you, I have been transfixed by the images from the James Webb Telescope. So with the help of Holy Wisdom and the ancestors, this trinity was created with O'Keeffe, Chittister, and Webb. 
These three elements, along with passages from the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, will build the foundation of our journey this fall at First Church. This journey will be personal for each of us as we go through our own process of evolution. This journey will also be communal. We will not be alone in this evolving process. Rather, we will be surrounded by the people who are right here with us in this sacred space each week, whether we are in person or online. It is our hope that each of you will take this journey with us. As Reverend Wally told the children this morning, our scripture today begins at the beginning. It is the first creation story found in the book of Genesis from the Hebrew Bible, a book that scholars believe was written by Hebrew scribes in Babylon during the Babylonian exile in the fourth century BCE. It's important to understand when the story was written and why it was written because it was foundational for the people who were trying to reconstruct their story and to make meaning out of the devastation they had experienced. In 586 BCE, when Babylon descended on Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, they took a large percentage of the people back to Babylon. Here the Hebrew people experienced a rapid, devastating deconstruction. Their identity had been so defined by their place and time, their lives were organized around a now-destroyed temple, and in this new land, they no longer knew who they were. They were experiencing the disequilibrium that happens when the bottom drops out and you lose the foundation you have built your life on. Yet in the Hebrew Bible, the very first chapter of the very first book, begins a story of reconstruction. It's a story that helped them get their bearings, a story that helped them make sense of what had happened, and a story that would help them find a way forward. Sister Joan, in the first chapter of her book, Evolving God, Evolving Purpose, Evolving World, tells the story of her religious journey. As a Catholic child growing up in the 1940s and 50s, everything she needed to know could be found in the Baltimore Catechism, volumes one through five only. It was a place, she says, where some of the most difficult questions in theology were reduced to question and answer format. It was a format that shaped the basis of Catholic school education from the 1890s to the 1960s. The rote answers formed the basis of all she knew from the belief that it was all she needed to know. Yet she says between that rote learning of surety and what she calls the computerization of modern life lie two different kinds of learning, two different ways of seeing life and two distinctly different theologies of life. One of the models has all the answers before anyone asks a question. The second model has few, if any, universally held answers. In a world where change is commonplace, where yesterday is a vague memory and tomorrow is a work in progress, Sister Joan asserts that our current world belief 
is now more an experience than an encyclopedia of data. It is reasoned, not recited, and she insists that in her lifetime, the world everyone expected to live in has all but totally disappeared. There was a time when I would have found that statement totally depressing. A time when I needed concrete answers. A time when I had lost my foundation. A time when I wanted to know what would happen next. Thank goodness that didn't last forever. I wholeheartedly agree with Sister Joan when she says we are living in a time of shifting stars. Since the first publicly released images from the James Webb Space Telescope were released two months ago on July 11th, our understanding of the universe has totally shifted. I find myself addicted to those images. I can't get enough. While I know I have never seen those images before, they seem oddly familiar. In watching an old movie yesterday from the late 1990s, I found an answer to their familiarity. There is a beautiful image in the movie Contact. When the main character sees the universe for the first time in all its glory in outer space. The image the character sees looks like many images from the James Webb Telescope. The image is mind-blowing and the character's reaction is one of, of transformation. She repeats over and over, I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea how beautiful it was. I had no idea. When we are brave enough to let go of what we think we knew, we open ourselves to the mystery of what might be. Sister Joan poses the key question when she asks, when we let go of our embedded beliefs, what is there to believe anymore? She says, Honestly, the answer is not clear. Not what I once did for sure. And yet at the same time, she says, I believe more now than I ever really understood. I had no idea. She goes on to say that she is discovering as the end of her life approaches the purpose of the beginning years of life it's become more clear. It's not things, she says, that help us grow into the fullness of who we truly are. It is something much more important. She believes the something more is the development of the self in the image of the God who made us, so that what God made we may return to the universe in even better condition. An evolving faith allows us to wonder about the mystery and what more there is to know. So there is homework. 
not just today, but for the entire series. Most of us have never really thought about the journey of our spiritual life. I did create a spiritual biography years ago, but it is definitely time for an update. This week, begin to think what your spiritual biography might contain. Put on paper the highlights of the journey. This will be a work in progress, and each of, it, each of us will approach it differently. In the weeks ahead, you will be invited to creatively work with this spiritual biography. But for now, it's enough to simply begin, to perhaps discover an unknown part of yourself. Finding who we are at our deepest core and understanding the journey we are on just might help us understand the past as we create the present and dream our future tomorrows together. May it ever be so, and may it be so for all who will join us on this journey as we feel our tomorrows stirring in our hearts on this day. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can join us for service each Sunday morning in person or on YouTube, or consider supporting First Church by making a tax-deductible gift at fccla.org give.